Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts like today, best-selling authors, and moms around the world. Everyone, I'm off. Okay, the show hasn't even started, and I'm already crying. I was just listening to my guest's solo album. Don't listen to it right before you interview her, everyone. Uh, her solo <laughs> album is called With You. It's available on Spotify. And her version of my favorite song from Rent, Without You, just left me in a puddle on the floor. But our guest Aww. today is Casey Levy. On Broadway, she has starred in Wicked, Hairspray, and now... She is starring as Elsa in the stage adaptation of Frozen. She recently headlined Carnegie Hall with the New York Pops and released her debut solo album, With You. Casey Levy, thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. Oh, thank you for having me. Speaking of your insane solo album, that voice, like just can you level with me here just for one moment? Like we've never met in real life, but like, do you have a body part? that the rest of us don't have, like in the way that Michael Phelps, he has like flipper feet or whatever that makes him an incredible swimmer. Like what is the secret to that voice? I don't know. Um, That's so kind of you to say. I, you know, I've always sung, but my voice has changed and developed over the years. And I think I've like always thought I should be born in the 60s because Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan are my favorites. So when I knew I wanted to make an album, I definitely wanted to make something that was in that sort of like folk rock genre um and and kind of bring like a new flavor to the big broadway songs that i'm kind of known for singing and do it more of the style i like to listen to um but i don't know i just i just sing from the heart i guess which sounds corny but it's just true (laughs) was there a moment when somebody stopped you like what when did you realize that you had this secret power um, well, my dad used to sing me to sleep when I was a little kid. And that was my first sort of experience of, with like harmony, um, and just developing my musicality. It was, it became sort of like a tradition. Um, and my dad worked really long hours. He was a family doctor and, um, I, you know, he wasn't home for my dinner time because he was with patients till very late. So that became like our thing. And it's one of my earliest and happiest memories and definitely something that shaped me musically. So, I think I just started singing from such a young age. And even at that time, I knew I had some musicality and some ability, but I was actually really shy and I didn't love to sing in front of people. And um, I, I sort of hid it, but, but around my house, everything was in song. Everything was in music form. And so my family knew I could sing, um, but it really wasn't until I went to summer camp every summer and I started singing there um, and doing the plays that I could tell from people's reactions. They're like, oh, okay, I, I definitely have... Uh, like a bit of a talent here. What's your favorite song to sing with your two and a half year old? Oh, that's so sweet. That question. Well, we do sing a lot of Frozen and a lot of Moana around the house, if I'm honest. (laughs) Um, And a lot of Coco these days. He's very into and then the bell falling. He's really into that. Um, But I sing him, You Are My Sunshine to Fall Asleep for Every Nap and Every Bedtime. That's sort of our little song. And so as soon as he hears the first couple lines of that, he puts his head on my shoulder and drifts off. It's very sweet. Are there any signs of him becoming a musical genius? I'm like, I'm so tacky. My questions, I sound like a grandma. I'm like, is he a genius like you? (laughs) 
he's actually weirdly capable musically. I think he's way more advanced than David and I, my husband and I ever were as kids. He's got this crazy um, ability rhythmically. So he will sing, he'll sing a song and then he'll like beatbox the rhythm in between phrases. He'll be like, it's amazing. So uh, yeah, I think he's going to be pretty musical. (laughs) What's your favorite thing to do with him in the city when you have a moment off from work? Oh, just go to the parks. We're lucky that we live on the Upper West Side and there's so many great parks around here and we just live in them, you know, with a very, very active boy who likes to run. The parks have become our best friend. And we luckily we have a playroom in our building, which helps on the cold winter days. But as soon as it's nice enough out, you know, we spend as much time outside as possible. We go on the swings, we go on the seesaw, he climbs everything in sight. He's really into like the trees and the bugs and the leaves and stuff. So he'll just kind of, you know, go and let his imagination run wild and touch everything. And it's really fun. It's really sweet. We, we live in Los Angeles and I'll never mm-hmm. forget the day that I took Sabrina, my five-year-old. I think she was probably, I want to say she was like three, but we were really, really in, you know, our frozen, um, <laughs> you know, we were in it deeply and mm-hmm. we were at the park and her little soccer ball, like, went over to the side and a mom brought it back over to her and it was Kristen Bell. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, my daughter has no idea that Anna just <laughs> gave her back her ball. <laughs> That's amazing. Only in Los Angeles, right? Only in Los Angeles. Um, mm-hmm. It was so ridiculous. That's such a great story. So you've described Elsa as an atypical Disney princess. And I'm wondering if you can expand on that a little bit. And I just want to know, like, how does it feel to be playing this particular role right now, like in Mm -hmm. history as a woman? Yeah, it's amazing. It's really, really amazing. You know, it's not a part that I necessarily had my eye on. Although when I saw the movie, I was like, this is an incredible role and an incredible um, Broadway musical in the making. So when it came around to Broadway, I definitely started to sort of like keep my eyes open for it. And now the fact that I get to play it every night and realize just how much it means, how much Elsa means to people. Like we just did an autism friendly performance, which is something that a lot of the shows get to do maybe once a year. And they release all the tickets to one performance to families who are on a mailing list who have kids or cousins or nieces and nephews that are on the autism spectrum. And we adjust our show and we like, for instance, we keep the house lights up 30% and we lower the sound effects and make everything just like a little less harsh. Um, and we encourage everyone to get up when they need to get up and sing along and rock back and forth and call out whatever they need to do. And it was interesting because I realized while I was performing, first of all, how beautiful it was that we get to do this, but how much Elsa speaks to that community. And it's not just the autism community. I mean, it speaks to the LGBTQ community. She speaks to women everywhere who feel like they've got to come into their own power. She speaks to feminists of all kinds. Um, even this, there was an article in a British newspaper about how Let It Go is the number one song in one of the UK prisons because it helps the male prisoners feel like they can let go of their past and empower them to move forward. And it's just like, it's pretty mind blowing what the reach of this character in this show has. And so to be able to play the part and like be the first real life person, not an animated person and not a person in a theme park, but somebody on Broadway getting to do that and, and sort of like set the template for what this show will become is a really big honor and privilege and responsibility too. It's something I think about every day. Well, it's something that you and I share and obviously your character Elsa shares as well. I've, I read that you've 
you know, some words that you've used to describe yourself in other interviews are like ambitious, having high standards, Mm -hmm. requiring quiet focus. Um, Mm -hmm. And those three things, ambition, high standards, and quiet focus, that's like a triple threat to sanity um, as moms. So (laughs) how do you leave whatever you're going through in your personal life at that proverbial stage door? Because I need help with this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's something I'm always negotiating and learning about. And I mean, this is the first time, I, like Isaiah's two, just over two and a half. And this is the first time I'm doing an eight show a week schedule, which is something I've done all my life, but with a child. And so everything feels kind of new and different. Um, and in some ways, it makes my work easier being a mom, because I think I'm hyper aware that it doesn't matter in the same way that my child's health and happiness does. So I can still be ambitious. I can still strive for perfection like I do to my own detriment on stage. Um, But I'm also aware at the same time that I'm striving for those things that ultimately what I give that day has got to be enough because it's, I'm going to give them all, everybody is going to see my best work on stage and then I'm going to go home and try to be my best for my son. And so in some ways that that's given me like a tiny bit of freedom um, I've sort of released some of that, I don't know, perfectionism in a way. And I've like been kinder to myself and been able to accept um, the flaws, the shortcomings, um, accept that one day I feel like a rock star and the next day I feel like a failure and that that's okay. And that's part of being a mom. And I think it's made me a better actor and a better friend and a better daughter and a better wife because I realized I just can't do it all, all the time, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, and so when I come to the theater, I try to, you know, I still have my nest on and I'm watching my child with the babysitters or with my husband and like I'm watching him get put down to sleep as I'm putting my makeup on for my eight o'clock show. It's like that's his bedtime, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm making sure that everything's going OK and that he's moving in his crib. And, you know, I'm just totally insane that way. Um, but the second I step on stage, I have to be Elsa because that's what everybody paid money to see. And um Luckily, I have an amazing husband and awesome babysitters and, you know, great in-laws who live in the city who help us. And um, I have to rely on them. I have to like I've, I've had to learn how to ask for help and accept help a little bit more. What are some of the ways that you have learned to be kinder to yourself? Like, is there anything in your toolbox you can share, like when you're having a particularly trying moment or you mm-hmm. know, when your child is sick or it feels like, so many things mm-hmm. are happening at once and you need to be able to focus or forgive yourself mm-hmm. if you stumble. Like, is there a mm-hmm. phrase that you use or what, what is something that you do to say like, it's okay. Like, yeah. like I forgive myself. Yeah. It's, I think a lot of it is just an inner dialogue of those exact words you're saying, but sometimes, especially when the stakes seem very high and I'm very, very stressed out I think about, especially when I'm singing the song, I don't really think about let it go when I'm not singing it, but oftentimes I'll be in the wings about to sing that song and realize the pressure of it and how much everyone's <laughs> waiting for this song, you know, closes the first act and everyone knows this song. It's the most famous song from the show. And, you know, maybe I'll be, I, I only got four hours of sleep the night before because Isaiah has a fever, which is what the last few days have been, or, you know, I have a lot of phlegm that day and I'm worried about hitting the high notes or whatever the case may be. And I I have to like really coach myself by singing that song. And I really attach myself to those words, which sounds very, very cheesy, but it actually helped me like, especially on, you know, opening night or when the critics are in and you know, they're reviewing the show. 
or all the Tony Award voters, I think about the fact that Elsa is just saying, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to stop worrying about what everybody else thinks of me. And I'm just going to tackle this right in front of me right now. Um, And, you know, my mom, it's so funny. She's always had this really good piece of advice that I didn't quite understand until I became a mother. But she, when I've been worked up in the past or had a tough time, she said, you know what, there's the same number of hours in every day and time will tick on and you won't feel the way you feel now in the next minute, in the next hour, in the next day. And that's helped me too, especially now as a mom, when, you know, the house is a mess and I like things to be tidy and when the baby has a fever and the babysitter cancels and my husband's working away from home and I have to get to the show, you know, I just try to like close my eyes and think about that, that like time will tick by and this will sort itself out. And there have been times, there was actually a time two weeks ago when Isaiah, I came home in between shows to see him because he was having sort of a tough morning. He was like on the verge of getting sick. He was fighting some kind of virus. He had picked up a daycare and I came home and he just had a terrible fit at like, he's not, he's not really um, an upset kid. He's really goofy and happy 90% of the time. So I knew he wasn't himself and it was 6.30 and I needed to get back to the theater for seven, yeah, for seven o'clock for an eight o'clock show. And he just threw this terrible fit and the babysitter was there and it was a new babysitter. My husband was out of town and I thought, you know what? I got to be a mom first right now. I can't in good conscience leave this apartment with him screaming like this and feeling like hell. And I called out sick and it's the only time I've ever had to do that. But I thought every mom out there who's going to be disappointed that they're seeing an understudy is also going to be sitting next to their kid and understand that also the mom too. (laughs) She's got to put her kid first, you know? And also, like, the, I mean, by the way, him having that meltdown, right? It's like to mm-hmm. see the power in these little children of their oh emotions. Like, I feel like <laughs> they are a case study of that song of like. Yes. I, oh, my God. That's such a good point. I love that. But when you are standing in the wings and you're wearing mm-hmm. 40 pounds of costuming. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. you walk out there and it's like crazy magic happens where that 40 pounds of clothing like whooshes off of you and then you're in mm-hmm. the sequin gown physically how does it feel to have that like weight taken off of you and then to Oof. what is that like first <laughs> I just want to... it's like getting hit by a bus it's crazy um I guess I should say it's what I imagine getting hit by a bus is like. Right. It's a lot of um, a lot of weight as you said and it happens in the flash of an eye and it's a little bit jarring. Now we've got it down to a science. I've been doing the show for like a year now, but at first it was really precarious and dangerous and it's still dangerous every single night. We still are like, okay, is this going to work? Um, and mostly it does, not good. But uh, it, it's like really unbelievable release because, you know, the audience is waiting for it and they don't know exactly how we're going to portray that moment on stage live in front of them. So then to hear their reaction is so thrilling because it's just like this wall of sound that hits me. And, and then I really try to just like embrace it and strut down stage in my sequin dress and sing the high notes and just like kind of live that joy that I know the audience is feeling. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Okay. So if there was magic and you could harness all of that palpable energy from the audience, which I got to experience firsthand, like if you could harness all of that energy coming at you, like what would you do with it? Mm. What would I do with it out like out in the world? Yeah. 
Let's get weird mm. and kind. This is like my pageant queen question for you. <laughs> I like this. I really, your questions are amazing, by the way. Um, I think I would try to use that power to have everybody be able to slow down and see the world through somebody else's eyes. I feel like 99% of our problems as wives and mothers and people in this world is that we get a little inwardly focused and we forget that, you know, other people see the world differently. And if we could just pause for like two seconds and try to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, the world would be better off. Well, you just won the Atomic Mom <laughs> first annual pageant. Okay. I'm, I feel so honored. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'm also curious about the adrenaline. You mentioned that, you know, when your son is sick and you don't get to sleep, I think mm. I would just stomp around my house and be like, I am Queen Elsa. Like, I have to get my rest. How do you come home from a show? And, you mm. know, you literally every night you're being chased by an angry mob. <laughs> Yeah. And then you <laughs> you have to go to sleep and then you have to try to stay yeah. asleep. Do you have any tricks there? No, I have no tricks other than to say that I used to be the kind of actor who was like, I need eight hours or nine hours of sleep in order to sing. And now I, I never get that. And I still sing and I just figure it out. So mm. I think moms have a certain superpower. And I know every mom listening to your podcast must relate that like, we just figure it out, right? And uh, it doesn't mean it's perfect every day, but but we actually are capable, our bodies weirdly are capable of a lot more than we think, especially like all of us having been pregnant and birthed our children and gone through all of that insanity. It's like, you do feel like, okay, I can handle anything after that. And so I, I kind of lean into that. But yeah, I come home, I try to decompress, I try to get to sleep um, earlier than I did when I was not a mom. Um <laughs> But I don't like go out and party. I never really did because singing the kinds of roles I usually sing, it's so demanding that like I just can't go to a bar and and be talking loudly after a show. But it is very different more in the mornings for me now. The fact that I'm up at six or seven every day with my son definitely changes how I sort of set up my day in order to sing at night. So like before he was in school and he napped, I did nap because I needed to in order for my voice to function. Mm -hmm. But I drink a lot more coffee now. And... (laughs) Um, I take little naps and I, I don't know, I just I figure it out. And I think because I, I don't have the luxury of panicking about the self-care as much as I used to, I just figure it out and do it, you know? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, yeah, but I get sick and I get, and I feel crazy a lot of the time, you know, <laughs> I feel, I feel absolutely depleted and pulled in a thousand directions, like every single mom I know. And, uh, I often feel like I'm, you know, sacrificing one part of my life in order to succeed in the other part of my life. And I don't know, I've only been a mom for two and a half years, but I'm, I'm coming to realize that I think that's just part of the gig of, of the motherhood gig. And um, I try to just be gentle with myself and not expect everything to be perfect all the time because it's just not going to be. <laughs> no, it's not. And you're really in it. Yeah. I mean, to think of like that this is happening in your career at the same time that you have a two and a half year old yeah. is so remarkable. You're like, you know, full steam ahead in both aspects of your life right now um, and doing yeah. it all at once. 
That's incredible. You know, there's a, there's a lot of Broadway moms. It's interesting. There's like a my whole like generation of of girls that have come up in the business together. A lot of us are having kids right now. And there's even like a Facebook group of Broadway moms and some of them have two kids. And I honestly, I don't even know how anyone has two or more kids. You have two, right? Or three? Two. Two. Yeah. It's just like the thought of it is, is so intense and we really lean on each other because we're in the same sort of hamster wheel of crazy being actors and also trying to be like normal moms, quote unquote. And, um, it's been really a really nice community to lean on because yes, not every single one of those moms is playing Elsa with their kids or, you know, some of them are in the ensemble of shows and stuff, but they're understudies and their husbands are also in the business like mine is. And, you know, it's a weird unconventional life. And so it's nice to have that support group too, and just kind of talk to each other and, um, and kind of lend an ear when we need it. I'm curious, have you used any Elsa techniques as a mother? Like, have you gotten a little taller since playing Elsa? Like, is your son hmm. a little better at listening to you? Like, do you ever harness that power for good in your home? I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I wish I could say that I do. Um, one thing I do think about is at the beginning of the show, how messed up it is that Elsa's dad is t- teaching her to conceal and not feel. Yeah, let's talk about um, that. Yeah, let's talk about that. It, and it's just so interesting that like it's the father figure saying that it's the male influence on on the female saying don't feel your feelings and if you if you hide who you are um then everyone else will be better off. And I just think wow, that's even this day and age the story is you know it's written by a, a lot of women and that's still something that's like a theme in the show and you know, now that I'm a feminist woman raising a boy, I really do think a lot about what am I teaching him just by osmosis and by my beliefs that he's just going to learn. And is that what I want to teach him? You know, am I being, I don't know, um, what's the word? Am I being active in my thoughts about what I'm showing him, you know? And I do find that I listen, I, I let him be who he is a lot more than I think I thought I would when I, before I had a child, like I'm very interested in him feeling his feelings. So like if he's having a fit like that, I'm not trying to fix it or make it stop. I try to just sort of validate that. Yeah, it sucks. Or yeah, you're frustrated or I totally get it. You're sad. Let me just sit with you while you have those feelings. And that has proven to be super powerful because I find his, um, he's able to resolve his emotions quicker when I validate them rather than when I try to make him be quiet or make him move through it quicker because we all know we can't move through our feelings any quicker than we do. We just have to feel them. And we can't just distract them always. Yeah. I mean, my uh, 15-month-old Eliza's in, uh, we're in a rye class together with Janet Lansbury and Mm. it's so much of that. It's, you know, Mm. let them, we have to be able to feel it because it's going to come back to us. And, you know, a lot of us were really good at concealing it. And I think, Oh, it, I mean, going back to those earlier words that you've used to describe yourself and that certainly I could, um, like the high yeah. standards and the ambition, like sometimes the, mm-hmm. you know, concealing how we're actually feeling goes with those qualities sometimes. And it's interesting that yeah. this next generation that we are so attuned and aware and like sensitive human beings did hold on to a lot of that tension mm. and muscle through. And I'm so excited to see, you know, our, how our children thrive when they they 
didn't learn that from us, you know, when they were able to like, let it out. Yes, completely. I mean, it's so hard to not do what we saw growing up. And I mean, a lot of what we all learned and and had examples of were wonderful, but there's those things, you know, that you're like, Oh, well, I don't want to repeat that with my child or whatever. But I find that actually just by watching my kid, he's making me such a better person because I'm way more forgiving of his flaws than I ever was or am of my own. And so it's making me um, go easier on myself because I don't care if he has a fit in public. I mean, I really don't. I don't care if someone walking by thinks he's being noisy or whatever. It's like, if that's what he needs to do. I mean, obviously within reason, but like I'm going to help him through it, but I'm not going to feel embarrassed of my child if he needs to sing really loud. I mean, he sings, let it go at the top of his lungs in the stroller as we walk down the street. And I'm like, yeah, babe, just sing it out. Let it out. Oh, that has Um, to get caught on TMZ. That's too good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's who he is, you know, and I don't want to stifle that in any way. Um, and, and so in, in, in embracing that in him, it's allowed me to embrace my own mess a little bit more. And I do think that's something that Elsa, um, does in order to come into her power. Like she does embrace the imperfection and the mess of life a little bit. And, um, it makes her, finally feel that these things she had to hide that were negative about herself are are the very things that make her special and beautiful and unique and powerful. Um, It's a good lesson for everybody, honestly. so beautiful. (laughs) It it is. And I think that in learning to be an ally for my child, like Mm. in that way of like, no, I've got her back, you know, like if she's Mm -hmm. singing loudly or, you know, I'm on her yeah. side and, and, you yeah. know, you can correct behavior in certain, certain circumstances, but like I used to catch myself occasionally, like, you know, doing the eye roll thing to the other parent or whatever. And you're like, ah, like, mm-hmm. do I really need to do that? Like I should be yeah. with my kid. Like she's my ally. And in learning to do that more, I've realized how to become more of an ally for myself. Like how many times do I throw myself under the bus and like, what yeah, and I don't, oh, I don't need to do that. And I love that word ally. That's such a great way of describing it because it's true. We're so, I think also like women in general, which is why people connect to Elsa so much, um, and mothers in general, we feel like we need to be all things to all people at all times, and it's depleting, and it makes us sometimes feel super vulnerable, super alone, misunderstood, uh, all those things. And it's not until you just you you can be an ally for someone and realize you can be an ally for yourself, that you can be better to yourself, that you can kind of shed some of that um, expectation. It's so strong to be able to do that. And I, I love what you said about like catching another parent's eyes and rolling your eyes at like to, to sort of dismiss behavior. It's like, ah, screw it. We all have kids. We all know what, <laughs> what that involves, you know, totally. like we were literally just an hour ago, we were at my son's school because he takes ballet. He has like a ballet elective and they did a little recital for us. And it was a bunch of gorgeous little girls in tutus and my kid in socks and like one other boy. (laughs) And he loves to dance, you know, we were like, yeah, let's put him in the ballet elective. He's, he's a dancer. He loves to just run around the house and dance. He has all this energy. And all the ballerinas were sitting beautifully while everybody else performed. And our kid was like off in the corner (laughs) spinning in circles and making noise and you know and and I caught myself at the beginning like sort of looking at the other parents and being like oh he's sort of shrugging and then I was like well he's not hurting anybody he's just dancing he just likes the music 
that's such a great so example. Let us see doing, you know? Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Okay, so in yeah. closing, okay, when we saw your show, I bought yeah. my five-year-old Sabrina the Elsa doll at intermission because obviously Elsa's mm. her favorite. And I was like, why is Elsa your favorite? And she was like, because of her powers. And I was like, right, of course. <laughs> like, why would I ask? And um, right. But the sweet thing was she wanted – she desperately wanted to get the Anna doll for my mm. 15-month-old Eliza. And oh. – so now we brought, you know, so now we have Elsa and Anna at home with us. <laughs> and Eliza, so Eliza sleeps with Anna every single night. Like, I have a feeling that oh. she, Anna's going to be with us for a really long time. Like, I think Anna's going to be oh. our version of Eliza's, like, blankie. Um, and oh. so as the elder half of the most iconic sister act of all time, what <laughs> big sister advice do you have for my Sabrina? I think what I would say is to let her little sister be her own person and to try to show her little sister what works for her, but let her discover things for herself. Because I know I'm the youngest <laughs> myself of um, three. I have two older brothers. And, you know, the younger kid just wants to be exactly like the older kids and wants to follow them around and do everything their older sibling does. And I mean, it's such a gift to have an older sibling. So I think the biggest gift an older sibling can give a younger sibling is to let them, um, you know, give them the inside scoop when you can, but also let them discover things for themselves because they're their own person and they don't have to be exactly like you. That's perfect. Thank you so much, Casey. <laughs> Everybody, go see Casey Levy in Frozen at the St. James Theater. Let her know in an Instagram comment that you heard her here. You can find her handle in our show notes. It's at Casey Levy. And special thanks to Atomic Mom's guest and Daniel Tiger Neighborhood's head writer, Becky Friedman, for the introduction. Yeah, Becky. Yay, Becky. <laughs> also, a special thanks to Frozen's Nina Lafarge for Sabrina's Let It Go workshop that we got to do before we saw... Oh. Casey also perform live on stage. Oh. Casey, thank you, thank you, thank you. My pleasure, Ellie. This was so lovely to chat with you. This was so much fun. Okay, I hope that everyone gets well in your house soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It's really awesome to be on your podcast. Thank you. All right, everybody, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a written review if you appreciated our conversation. And next week, I want to announce we have a special episode. It's with Dr. Helen Reese. She is an associate professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and the director of the Empathy and Relational Science Program at Massachusetts General Hospital. Her book is The Empathy Effect, Seven Neuroscience-Based Keys for Transforming the Way We Live, Love, Work, and Connect Across Differences, which matches so perfectly with everything Casey just shared. All right, everybody, until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. 